Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Happy American Thanksgiving, or just happy Thursday, if you don't observe that particular holiday. Um, But today, when I'm recording, is not actually Thursday, because I'm recording this ahead of time. And hell, to be fair, you may never listen to these episodes on Thursdays anyway. You know, this is the nature of recorded episodes. You can listen to them whenever you want and in whichever order you please. But because this episode will be released tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day in the States, and because I will be an absolute banshee in the kitchen all morning tomorrow, I decided to break from my established format and record this a day in advance. Um, And by the way, you know, if you've never heard the amazing Celtic acoustic band called Banshee in the Kitchen, please do yourself a favor and give them a listen. I have had the privilege of seeing them live several times at local shows and festivals, and they kick so much ass. But today, anyway, so we're going to do a question and answer sort of thing. And I've been hassling you all to send in your questions over the last several weeks, and I've I've gotten a bunch of them. I've got them all here. We're going to do as many as we can get to during our time today. And um, the rest I may save for future episodes, or I'll just answer them on social media or something. Maybe I'll do a video. I don't really know. I mostly just wing it out here. I do have an outline of notes that I keep myself on track with when I record these. And I'm sure you hear me rustling my papers from time to time. Uh, I also like to just make sure that my references are properly cited when I talk about a book or an author or whatever. But rest assured, there's not a ton of method to my madness. And if you've been sitting on a question and you haven't sent it in, I want to clarify how I've been doing this. So when I get a question, I respond to it privately right away. Because I know sometimes these questions are time sensitive or, you know, at least you're not interested in waiting for the episode to be published. So I respond immediately to these questions and then I save them in a file so that I could read them for this episode. So that's how I've been doing it and that's how I'll continue to do it. So, all right, we've got a lot to get to, so let's just get down to business. This first question comes from Amy. Um, Oh, also I've, I've cut out a lot of the personal identifying info in these questions. So if you're one of the folks who sent a question in and I don't read it verbatim, it's just cause I'm trying to protect privacy, so. Question is, hi, Eli. I've been a Christian for the last 30 years, and I've just recently given into my interest in witchcraft, knowing that my Bible says no to that. But I just get so giddy and excited when I think about learning and practicing witchcraft, and I don't know why. My question is, are there books or resources that can guide me along starting at the beginning, like the history of witchcraft moving into the current teachings? And for instance, like when you talk about cleansing with smoke or water, do I have to do it even though I haven't practiced any sort of witchcraft yet? I would think not because there wouldn't have been a chance for any spirits to get through. I would greatly appreciate any advice. Thank you, Amy. Well, thank you so much for this question because it really strikes a chord for me as a former Christian. Um, when I first began allowing myself to give in to my own curiosity about witchcraft, I found it really hard to identify where my feelings were coming from. When I would have discomfort around just the mere fact of learning about the craft, I would agonize whether I was feeling uncomfortable because all this information was just new and unfamiliar, or was I feeling uncomfortable because this was evil? And in the end, I realized that it was neither of those things. I was uncomfortable learning about witchcraft because I had been conditioned to feel that way. I think most of us probably fall into the same boat. 
But then I started looking at the Bible with new eyes, and I started seeing so much in the scriptures that I hadn't noticed before. For example, Psalms, the book of Psalms, it's essentially a spell book. Um, also, uh, the three wise men used the stars to foretell the coming of Christ, and then when they found him, they presented him with incense and precious stones, frankincense, myrrh, and gold, for crying out loud. Um, also, like in Exodus, uh, Aaron wears a breastplate set with stones, including onyx, ruby, and amethyst, which is a literal crystal grid. And Aaron would use this breastplate to scry for messages from the Lord. And there are so many more examples like this in the Holy Scriptures. So the Bible actually doesn't tell us that we can't do these occult activities. It just limits who is allowed to practice it. So if you are a priest ordained by God himself, although we can only take the priest's word for it, that he's actually been called by God, that's okay. But everybody else is called a witch or a sorcerer and needs to be stoned to death. Right. Okay. So... I think Christianity in general, it's a generally good philosophy um, and belief system, but I, I feel like it's been corrupted by men with bad intentions. Now, I do believe there are a lot of spiritual leaders who have good hearts and pure motives, but I also know that unfortunately, religion is a business and the people with not so pure intentions are going to keep as much power as they can for themselves. And that includes demonizing witches. So that's my two cents on that. But as for your book recommendation request, if you're looking for an historical overview of the history of witchcraft, I recommend a book called A History of Witchcraft, Sorcerers, Heretics, and Pagans by Jeffrey B. Russell. And I'll link all these um, authors in the show notes. Now, firstly, don't get put off by the size of the book. It's probably smaller than you would expect. But what I like about it is that it doesn't only cover witchcraft history in Europe or the Americas, but it also covers like Africa and many other non-Eurocentric traditions as well. And this book is really good about giving just enough information on a given topic or a tradition for you to decide whether you'd like to go more in depth and then you can in other uh, resources. This book provides a really good jumping off point from which to dive deeper into more narrow occult practices and lore. <clears throat> Another one I like is The Path of a Christian Witch by Adelina St. Clair. Be advised, this is very Catholic and Wicca-centric. Um, and as we all know, I'm not Catholic and I'm not Wiccan. But the author manages to speak from a very relatable place for many Christians who are feeling conflicted about maybe combining their Christian faith with witchcraft and paganism. Um, another one is Valerie Love. This is an author who actually has a series of books written for Christian witches that cover spell work, prayers, observing holidays, all kinds of things. And her background is as a former Jehovah's Witness who was ultimately drawn to the occult. And her book, uh, Confessions of a Christian Witch, talks about that journey. Um, full diversion here, disclosure rather. I haven't read all of her books, but that one is a good primer for a Christian who might be investigating witchcraft. Now, as for practicing cleansing your living space, Amy, I always recommend doing that, even if you don't feel like your space necessarily needs it. Because at some point, you may feel an unwelcome energy, and it would be easier to address it if you're already comfortable with that method. And consider this, Catholic churches commonly burn incense before services begin as a method of purification and sanctification, and also to symbolize carrying prayers to heaven. 
So if they're cleansing their sacred spaces, you can too. And that's witchcraft, baby. Okay. Um, thank you, Amy, for that. <clears throat> that was fun. Um, next question. Hi, Eli. I'm a new witch, and I've been listening to your podcast on my daily walk. I'm hoping you can lead me in the right direction. My husband and I recently moved and have purchased a new home and are waiting for the building process to begin. We've hit a couple of huge stumbling blocks with getting the house started, none of which are in our control. I'm saying daily affirmations of goodwill and sending blessings out, but wondered if there's anything else I can do. I know it will come in time. However, we're currently in a rental home and the lease ends in May and we don't want to stay here any longer. I'm feeling lost right now. Thank you for your time and I love your podcast. Okay. Okay, Jeanette. First of all, huge, enormous congratulations on not only buying a new house, but a new construction home as well. Like, God, no wonder you're anxious to get in there. I'm not generally a patient person either, and from the bottom of my heart, I get you. Um, as far as what you can do to get into this house ASAP, your energy will probably be best spent working magic to help the process go smoothly. Because there are so many moving parts with not only buying a home, but also and especially with construction, you're not only dealing with the literal timeline of how long it takes to build a house from scratch, but also possible supply line interruptions, especially at this time, inclement weather, labor shortages, all kinds of things. So by focusing on spell work to minimize complications, it's just going to be really important. So if you're a witch who prefers candle magic, I would suggest getting a hold of a candle, um, maybe orange for opportunity or green for success if you have access to colored candles. If you don't, just use white. And carve your intentions into it. You can use runes, you can use a sigil of your own design, or you can just carve words right into it. Dress your candle with some olive oil and then roll them in herbs. <clears throat> you might want to use some herbs for luck like allspice, star anise, or some dried orange peel. You can use herbs for success like cinnamon, ginger, or lemon balm. And I would suggest herbs to help in overcoming obstacles as well, like mistletoe or wormwood. And of course, Please don't leave your burning candle unattended, especially if it's rolled in herbs because those like to go up. You can also carry stones on you that are going to aid in your manifestations like smoky quartz or obsidian. Um, you can make moon water with these stones as well and charge it with your intentions for a smooth construction process. And then you can drink it either plain or you can use it to make your tea or coffee. I would also suggest burning some road opener incense to help clear away any roadblocks. Um, you can find road opener candles online, too, if you don't care for incense. Most online witch shops will have them. And, of course, you can always check Etsy. And as a renter, you may not be able to use candles or incense, but you can use that moon water that you made and put it in a spray bottle and just go to town with that. Um, I hate to even suggest it, but it might also be wise to wear an evil eye necklace or a charm of some kind until this is all over, too. I don't know your personal life, but there may be someone close to you who might be feeling envious of your good fortune, and they may be sending harmful intent your way. They might not even realize that they're doing it, but if their bad mojo is getting in the way of what you're trying to manifest in your life, it's just best to have a good offense ready. Um, and then last but not least, also maybe consider that what you've been working toward is something big and beautiful in your life with this new house, and the universe is going to make sure that you get it. So perhaps maybe what you're experiencing as these negative setbacks is just the universe doing things according to its own divine timing. There may be some reason why things are going a little more slowly than you'd like, but you're just not able to see that yet. 
and this isn't some kind of like the Lord works in mysterious ways, cop out bullshit, but there really may be some reason for the wait and maybe you'll be happier in the end and in the long run because of it. And also finally, please send me a picture when you finally get settled because I would love to see your new place. Um, okay, that was Jeanette's question. Uh, next, okay, ooh, this question. <clears throat> I like this one. Hello, growing up, I knew about curanderos. I felt that it would open the door to allow evil to enter your lives. It was a bad thing and it scared me. How do I get past the fear so that I can allow myself to take this path that I'm on? Because it's not the same thing. By the way, I love your podcast. Okay, so this is a really good question from Red Orchid 77 and it also kind of touches a little bit on Amy's question from the beginning. So um, first of all, just for those maybe unfamiliar with the term, a curandero is basically a folk healer. Uh, they generally combine spiritual elements within the physical healing that they perform. Um, they will perform limpias, which are physical and spiritual cleansings. Um, and if they feel that their patient has been afflicted with the evil eye, they will do a blessing or cleansing for that as well. The basis for these practices comes from a blend of indigenous medicine with Catholicism. So they may use herbs, prayers, brujeria. They may even call on saints to aid in their work. Um, but so as folk healers, I feel as though they've been unfairly maligned and sort of painted with the same negative brush that witches have been. Um, because people are turning to natural and supernatural healers to find relief for their own afflictions rather than running to a priest you know, of course, there must be something nefarious about that. At least, you know, that's what the priests will tell us. But I fully disagree with that assessment. And I suspect, Red Orchid 77, that you do too, because you're asking how to make peace with the fact that you want to pursue a spiritual path, even though you're having these conflicting emotions around it. Well, first, I would tell you to just give yourself time. I don't know your background, but I get the sense that you were probably raised to believe that seeking help from a curandero could invite evil into your life, but it doesn't really seem like you ever maybe saw that happen firsthand. And if that's the case, and it's just going to take time to unlearn those feelings. You know, we can know something rationally, but still have really deep-seated fears surrounding it. God's sake, that's why I hate swimming at night. Like rationally, I know there's not a shark in the pool, but it still freaks me out. So, you know, we have, to, we have to give ourselves time to process and decide for ourselves how we truly feel about things like curanderos. We have to give ourselves permission to explore aspects of witchcraft that don't bump up against that. So if it's specifically spellcasting or folk healing that rubs you the wrong way, then just focus on things that don't trigger those feelings in, in you for now. You know, so maybe just start with like mindful meditation with a special candle or a specific kind of incense to sort of bring you to a place of calm and serenity. Maybe you can make it a point to spend an hour each month on the night of the full moon, just sending out positive thoughts and trying to draw in healing energy from the earth. Um, maybe make some space on a shelf in your home with natural elements that speak to you in some way, like crystals or seashells or candles or a little house plant. And if you have pictures of a loved one that you would like to place there, by all means, make it feel important. And you don't have to think of it as an altar if you don't want to. It's just a place in your home or in your room that you've set apart just for the purpose of having someplace special to go when you want to feel spiritually restored. I've said before on this podcast, a prayer is a spell. 
So don't be afraid to lift your voice to whatever higher power may be out there listening. Ask for what you want or what you need in your life and express gratitude for what you are thankful for already. And eventually, as you take these small steps that you are comfortable with, your mind will begin to internalize the fact that this path you're on isn't evil and you're not inviting anything into your life that you don't want. And you may have been called in this life to be a light worker for crying out loud. You know, maybe you were put on this earth at this time to provide compassion and spiritual or emotional healing in your own way. And that might be something to investigate, actually. If you're someone who easily tunes into other people's emotional states, or if you're very sensitive to the needs of others, if you feel like you just want to help people, you might be an empath. <clears throat> and if that's the case, you've got a whole branch of witchcraft that's just opened up to you, and it has nothing to do with anything evil. So to answer your original question about how to get past that uncertainty that you have about your path, just get to know you. Start finding out exactly what kind of a witch you are, and I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at just how much goodness and positivity is about to be released in your own life, and you're going to be flat out shocked at how much positivity you're about to bring to others. And this is an exciting time, so embrace it. Okay, we're only three questions in, and I'm already like going into overtime, but that's fine. We're going to keep rolling. Next question. Hey, Eli, I know you have mentioned that you're not afraid to curse people, but I wonder how you feel about using Ouija boards. I've always heard that they're portals to evil spirits, and I've never used one because I'm afraid of inviting demons into my home. All right. Okay, Tiana. First, I just want to clarify that isn't that I'm not afraid to curse people. It's just that I don't pull back or shy away from the less glamorous aspects of witchcraft. So just in case there's a first time listener here, I don't advocate cursing people with reckless abandon. But if it comes down to it, I will curse a bitch. Okay, but back to Tiana's question about Ouija boards. <clears throat> I have used them. We do have a couple in the house and I'm not afraid of them. I do understand the reservations that people have about them. Um, you know, after all, spirits can and do sometimes lie about who they are and what their intentions might be. But, you know, so do people. So really, it just comes down to using an Ouija board responsibly and not just taking anything that comes through at face value. I think Ouija boards can be a great tool for speaking with spirits because they're simple to use. And since it's just spelling out what the spirit wants to say, the results are easy to interpret. In the end, an Ouija board is just a tool. It's like a pendulum divination or tarot or tea leaf reading or scrying or a seance. You're still opening a door to other realms and potentially inviting unwanted spirits, spirits into your midst. So just, you know, make sure that you don't accidentally get any unwanted attachments coming through. And there are some simple steps you can take before you begin a Ouija session. First, you can cast a circle of protection before you begin, just to make sure that nobody who isn't invited can come through. If you're trying to speak to someone specific, make that very clear at the outset before you even begin your session. And then once you're done, close your Ouija board session. Thank and dismiss any spirits that you've spoken to, say goodbye, and announce the session closed. And then you can clear your circle and put your board away. If you're concerned that something may have come through that you don't want, command all the spirits to leave, close the session immediately, and do a cleansing of your home. 
but mostly you're just probably not going to have a lot of issues like that. If you're maintaining good spiritual hygiene in your home, and if you're very assertive with spirits that do try and sneak through, they're going to leave you alone. Um, you know, don't go being reckless and inviting any old spirit off the street in. And for the love of God, don't deliberately try to invite demons in, but you'll be fine. So that's, that's my two cents. And in three weeks, I'm going to get five more questions about these demons that are infesting people's house. <clears throat> Just kidding. It's not going to happen. All right. Next question. Um, Mary meet Eli. I love your show and you seem really knowledgeable about herbs. Um, thank you. <clears throat> uh, how do you feel about the use of cannabis in witchcraft? Okay. I remember this question. Um, well, Freya 455, I feel fine about it. I don't use cannabis often outside of my practice, but I do sometimes use it within my practice um, because I, I sometimes I'll find it difficult to sort of turn off my overthinking brain and just let myself receive messages during spells and rituals. And I find that cannabis allows me to be more respect, receptive to spirit. Um, I don't personally like using alcohol during ritual work except as offerings because it kind of dulls my mind and it sort of slows me down, you know, it kind of makes me feel a little muddy. But cannabis can bring down the walls that prevent me from seeing the messages that I'm being given and it sort of gets me out of my own way, if that makes sense. Um, I have had some really wonderful breakthroughs when I have incorporated the use of cannabis in this work. Um, and I'm fortunate to live in a state that has legalized the recreational use of it. Uh, so I don't have to worry that I'm going to lose my job or find myself in legal trouble because of it. Um, but so, you know, long story short, I think if it helps a person in their practice, and if a witch does not have any personal, moral, or ethical objections to it, then it's worth trying. Um, okay. Oh, <clears throat> another question. Okay. Hi, Eli. I'm a new witch. And I listen to the podcast while I walk my dog. We have another podcast walker. That's nice. Um, I don't have a window that ever faces the moonlight and I live in an apartment, so I don't feel comfortable leaving things outside. So my question is, is it all right if I leave crystals, tarot cards, etc., in my car overnight to charge? Thank you, Dana, for this question. And yes, it is 1000% fine to charge things in your car overnight. As witches, we have to do the best we can with what we have. And that really gets to the heart of witchcraft. It's not always photo perfect or store-bought. You know, the witches who came before and paved the way for us were always making do with what they had. And they would be totally on board with using your car's dashboard to charge your crystals, tarot cards, moon water, and anything else. And I don't want to just leave that sentiment with that specific question. As a newer witch, and even as a seasoned witch, Almost any time we come up against something we aren't totally sure of, I say just try it anyway. This is how witchcraft evolved to begin with. The OG witches, they didn't have a blueprint that they followed. For the most part, they were just winging it too. There was an outcome that they wanted and they just started putting things together that they had to see what their results would be. And we can create our own methods and spells in this way and we can customize our magic to our own practices. We have the benefit of being able to build on the work of all of those early witches, and we have access to vast online libraries of information about the magical correspondences of herbs and stones, 
moon phases, divination methods, seasons, mundane materials, and so on. So we don't even have to start from scratch when we start experimenting. Just remember to write everything down. Um, and also, by the way, I did send a follow-up to Dana asking to see a picture of her dog. And let me assure you all, Duchess is adorable. <clears throat> um, oh, God, okay. I think this is all the time that I have today because I still have to edit this and everything. But I really want to come back to res the rest of these questions. So I think I'm going to have to figure out how to make that work. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll throw in a question or two with each episode from now on. But, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I hope everyone has a lovely day. I hope you have a lovely holiday. Please keep sending in these questions. I love them. I'm so happy to answer them and to talk to people in a one-on-one -on -one sort of way. And until next time, my name is Eli, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.